and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hey. Hey, do you feel, do you feel the presence of the Lord in this podcast today? In this podcast today. Yes, I do. In this podcast, in this yes. house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It might be because we have our first uh, holy first host. man of the cloth, <laughs> a man of the cloth, who I'm planning on calling every possible iteration of Your Holiness and Monsignor. Uh, today, <laughs> today we have uh, Father Brad of the Quizzical Papist on. Hello, Father Brad. How are y'all doing? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, we are thrilled to have you on. Absolutely, we're so excited. Uh, Father Brad sent us an email. And he is a listener, and he's not lying about that because he is a priest and can't lie. Uh, well, so it's entrapped. Priests lie, but I'm not lying about that. Okay, great. <laughs> that is the one. That's one thing I didn't lie about. Okay, great, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Uh, and he is here to talk to us about some stuff. So, uh, Father Brad, what are you going to talk to us about today? Yeah, so I, I was listening a couple weeks back, um, and y'all had an episode about buffalo. Yes. And I really enjoyed that episode. I, oh, I, I, I love when people speak about things they love um, and they care about. And I really care about a lot of things, the sure. faith being one, mm-hmm. right? Um, my relationship with God, but also my city, um, where my family's from, my, my history, our culture. Um, people know this on my podcast. I'm talking about Mardi Gras all the time. I'm talking about music. Yeah. I'm talking about food. And, um, and so I, I reached out and I was like, hey, I think they would enjoy kind of a deep dive into New Orleans um, as a, an episode. I'm so excited for this because I admittedly have never been to New Orleans, uh, although many Louisianans. Oh, Lord, what's the demo? We're, we're going to get into that. I got that. <laughs> Louisianians. Louisianians have told me like, oh, you got to get down there and have some shrimp etouffee and mm. uh, experience the joy of New Orleans. So yeah, please, yeah. just allow me to bathe in the the knowledge of the South. I will I wash you in crab boil right yes. now. <laughs> sounds, sounds a little delicious, painful. You will be baptized <laughs> in gumbo. Ooh, do you, is that a service you provide in your church, Father Brad? <laughs> no, it's um, not. I, act, I cook. I cook. Like the other day, I, I went over and uh, at a social distance, sat in in parishioners' driveway mm-hmm. and and boiled two sacks of crawfish oh. and like just gave it to them and sat at socially distant, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. But so yeah, I do do that, but they, they usually eat it. They don't pour it on their head. They don't so. pour it on themselves. I mean, it's that mm-hmm. that's a waste. So that's understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Please, the floor is yours, sir. Nice. Okay, so we're gonna start with pronunciation. Ooh, important. Very. Uh, while the city derives its name from the city of Orléans, France. Uh, it's not pronounced that way, or else people will think you are conceited. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> New Orleans. Oh, okay. Um, so it's some other mistaken pronunciations are New Orleans, or even worse, Nolens. Okay, that's mm-hmm. like very touristy. Oh, okay. Mm. 
No like, one's going around saying Nolens in New Orleans. Like when we kept referring to Chicago as Chi Town. Nobody from there. <laughs> nobody calls it yeah. that. Calls it nobody, that. nobody says that. Yeah. So yeah. the best way to say New Orleans is just to smash the two words together and just say New Orleans. Let's New Orleans. try. Like Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Like I Toronto. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. New Orleans. Okay. And if you live right. in New Orleans, you're a New Orleanian. Mm. Ooh, okay. okay. Important. Okay. So history. Um, I think it's his- historically interesting because it's it's kind of very different from a lot of the country, um, our country. Um, as is the case with most of the Americas, the human history of South Louisiana begins with Native Americans, um, mm-hmm. right? They were there. <laughs> um, and the major tribes inhabiting the area um, are the present of present-day New Orleans are the Chittimaca and the Choctaw tribes. Mm. And what's cool is the Chittimaca are the only native tribe of Louisiana who still inhabit part of their ancestral land. So we still have people who are uh, part of the tribe that still inhabit where their ancestors lived. Wow. Cool. And many of the rivers and streets still bear their the language of like the Choctaw, for instance. Um, there's a street called Chapatulas, which is just really hard to pronounce, even harder to spell. Uh, but it is right there on the river, and a lot of stuff is on Chapatulas now. It's kind of a exploding section of the city, um, and that's actually a Choctaw word. It's not French or Spanish or Haitian or anything. Cool. Um, okay, New Orleans uh, as we know it now as the result of a French colony. You probably know that. Um, it was founded in 1718 by a Montreal Frenchman. And this is, you know, French people that have these long names. Uh, Jean-Baptiste Lemoyne de Bienville. Uh, but we just call him Bienville. Bienville is like uh, a fa- the founder of New Orleans. Um, and he chose New Orleans because of the high elevation, like where it's at. Um, it's actually has a natural levee where it's located, like the French Quarter now is where the original spot was. And it didn't flood during Katrina. So the French Quarter didn't flood. It was all the surrounding areas that flooded. Oh, okay. So it, the the land itself is a natural levee and protected it from the floodwaters. Exactly. And that's so cool. Because those and of us who have never been there it. are probably thinking, well, it's at the mouth of the Mississippi, right? Like Exactly. <laughs> sea yeah, level yeah, or it, something. It's 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 not exactly right there. Most of the city, we'll get to that, the geography of it, um, um, or geology of it. But it's that section he chose wisely. I mean, he chose it for a reason, right? So mm-hmm. it's a little higher than all the other areas. But it's near strategic waterways um, that kind of help it with its. It was considered a port at the beginning, or and it still is. But it was it was supposed to be the gateway to uh, to the Louisiana territory. Okay, so in 1722. It was made the capital of French Louisiana, though it struggled at first. I mean, we think of New Orleans as super touristy, like a great place to go, experience culture and music, but that wasn't the case at the beginning. Mm. Um, it was on the outskirts. It was very rustic. Um, uh, there's a one of my favorite quotes is from a missionary priest who was there in 1721, um, and this is his quote about New Orleans. He says. It's a place of a hundred wretched hovels and a malarious wet thicket of willows and dwarf palmettos infested by serpents and alligators. That sounds disgusting. That sounds like Florida. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, those you, two things are. Well, minus the, the minus the you know malaria, mm-hmm. it's pretty much it's pretty much accurate even today. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of mosquitoes. Um, so. Yeah, that w- it wasn't it wasn't always the tourist destination, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it was French 
colony until 1763 when very confusing land trades from treaties from the French and Indian War, which I'm not going to explain. It. I don't quite frankly, because I don't understand. Um, but that resulted in Spain. So 1763, Spain, the kingdom of Spain, like the monarchy took over. Um, and they got the territory west of the Mississippi. So Spain got all the territory in the Louisiana territory west of the Mississippi plus New Orleans. And Britain got east of the Mississippi mm-hmm. minus New Orleans. So New Orleans was this little bitty section that Spain was like, nah, we want that. Um hmm. Which is kind of important because Britain never controlled New Orleans. Okay. Like the, you know, oh, okay. UK never controlled it, um, which is kind of like a point of pride for us. Um, I can imagine so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the, the French and, and, and British kind of beef, but, but also because later, and we'll get to the Battle of New Orleans, we, we fought back the British um, in the Battle of 1812. Or the Battle, yeah, Battle of 1812. Um, okay, so all in all, New Orleans has been under the control of the following peoples. The Chittimacca, the Monarchy of France, the Monarchy of Spain, and then it went back to the Republic of France. So this is post-French Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, early 1800s. And then finally, USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and in 1803, right, with the signing of the Louisiana Purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, the first major event in U.S. New Orleans history was in 1815 at the end of the War of 1812. Um, so U.S. forces, the militias of New Orleans, so just regular New Orleanians like picking up arms, and even a pirate. So there's a, a famous pirate named Jean Lafitte. Have you ever heard of Jean Lafitte? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the Baratarians. They were, they're basically, I mean, we were taking everybody and, and just throwing them at the British. We were like, <laughs> we are not letting them take the French Quarter, okay? And so they, mm-hmm. they set up in this place called Chalmette, which is really, really marshy. Um, it's south of New Orleans. Um, and we fought them back. Um, and, and actually, they were led by Andrew Jackson. So... Old Hickory himself. Yep. Fought him back. What a dick, right? Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, this is actually interesting. I'll get to that because we've been taking down uh, statues and memorials mm-hmm. that memorialize people who did some bad things, but Andrew Jackson is not taken down, and I'll tell you why later. But, Ooh, okay. All right. Um, and you might not agree, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so that was on January 8th that we won that, that battle, mm-hmm. and- and so that's our la- the the feast day of Our Lady of Prompt Succor, is is the title of Mary that's like most important to uh, to New Orleans. Um, so we always say Our Lady of Prompt Succor, hasten to help us. And it sounds weird because it's like Prompt Succor, yeah, but what, it- like someone who has a lollipop on time is a Prompt <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> yeah, is that, that the, are those the two words you're using right now? It's Prompt Sucker. Yeah. Okay. But- <laughs> But here's the deal. So okay. it's 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 a French thing, right? So prompt, like immediate, and succor is aid, like so okay. of, of like quick help. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, so not but English. Who, we, yeah. The, so <laughs> so not someone who's on time with some candy. No, though different. You know meanings. I would totally receive. I would totally go knocking at Mary's door on Halloween. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's proud um, of those suckers. She 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 opens it up, gives them out. Okay, so um, this moment in history is recounted in the Johnny Horton folk song, "The Battle of New Orleans," 
And uh, some of the lyrics go like this. We fired our guns and the British kept it coming. There wasn't nigh as many as there was long ago. We fired once more and they began a running on down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Ha ha. Take that. Take that, you. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Limey. Actually, it's it was a very catchy At that song. time, it was, what was it? Who was the, who was the monarch at the time? 18, early 1800s, it wasn't Victoria. Who was before Victoria? Is it George? Is this Georgian? Let's yeah, look it up. probably. Look it up. <laughs> I think a, That's a good a guess. George, yeah. Could have uh, been. George. Uh, George the third. George the third. Okay. George the third of the United Kingdom, of House of Hanover. He's the one who went crazy. Mad King, yeah. yeah. Ah. Who may, okay. may or may not have had porphyria. Probably porphyria. But, um, Tuberculosis? Yeah, he definitely probably. had, everybody had tuberculosis. Syphilis? I mean, everybody did, right? No, I'm just... <laughs> Syphilis. Mm. Hand in a mouth. Don't know. Okay, so in recent years, this is to the, the statues. In recent years, New Orleans has gone through a purging of memorials, memorializing civil war leaders from places of honor or other people who've done really bad things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when they're honoring the very bad things they did. Yeah. Um, and while Andrew Jackson has contributed to some very sad moments in U.S. history, right, the Trail of Tears just being one of them, mm-hmm. Really bad. Uh, the statue in front of St. Louis Cathedral remains up, uh, mainly because it commemorates Andrew Jackson not as a president, so he wasn't president yet, or you know, as the what he did with the Trail of Tears, but orchestrator of the in general who saved New Orleans. So that yeah. particular moment of saving New Orleans, I mean, he's on a battle horse. Um, so, but we did take down like a bunch of different things around. There's a there's a circle called Lee Circle, which had Robert E. Lee at the top of this big, you know, obelisk or, or pillar, and um, and now it's just like empty. So it's Lee Circle, and I and I suggested that they should put Bruce Lee up there. Ooh, that's a good that's idea. very good. Like how epic! Then- it's like Lee Circle. Hey, there he is, and it's yeah. actually close to the uh, the the old Chinese section of New Orleans. See. You should really write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> they wouldn't listen to me. I'm no. just a lowly, lowly priest. <laughs> okay. So, um, so he saved New Orleans. Okay, let's talk about immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's an old city in the United States. It's going to be affected and actually formed, right? The, the mm-hmm. essence yeah. of the city is a, a history of immigration. Um, and it's what gives us our culture and, and the, the beauty, the music, the food, and everything. So French was still a common language used and even primary language taught in schools until the Civil War. So wow. you know, late late 1800, or yeah, 1800s, when Union leaders banned its usage. So right, the North is banning them using French because they want to understand what they're saying. Um, and an influx of first Italian then German and eventually Irish settlers made English a necessary communication tool. So like, how are we going to communicate with each other? Mm. We use a common language in the middle, right? So English. Um, Yeah. And it was the common denominator. The later half of the 19th century saw drastic growth through these immigrants. So the city really exploded from like 1840s to the 1900. Um, and experienced the same trends of suburbanization in the late 50s, like 1950s and 60s of the 20th century, mainly due to the uh, affluence after the Great Wars, right? After mm-hmm. World War II, just money, affluence, growth economically, and then then white flight from the urban center of New Orleans to mm. like the suburbs. So like we see this in all the, right? All over the yeah, country. Right. So 
Metairie is a is a suburb. Kenner, or we say Kennebra, um, outside <laughs> of New Orleans, and then the North Shore um, is is basically all people kind of fleeing desegregation. And that's that's not the only reason, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's definitely a, a part of it. Um, the current population of the metropolitan areas so that includes Metairie and Kenner and all that, um, as of 2018, is around 1.2 million, which mm. isn't that much. No, right. yeah. Right. I mean, compared to like these other big cities, iconic cities, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, I mean, millions and oh, millions, yeah, no, you know, New York, eight million or something. Um, so it's kind of low. It's actually the 46th largest metropolitan area. So that's not, surprising. Not, yeah. Yeah. I thought so, too. I was looking it up and I was like, you know, it's 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 kind of a small town. You could get anywhere in New Orleans from anywhere pretty pretty easily so mm-hmm. i mean you you can ride your bike um from the city proper from one end to the other in a day you know yeah huh it's kind of nice um did the population decline uh in any significant way after katrina or is this has it always been just kind of a smallish city in general so so it did um it's it's the height of population is like the 1950s and 60s. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and then it declined a little bit after Katrina declined a lot in Baton Rouge, which is actually where I grew up and went to school. That exploded. Mm. <laughs> that metropolitan area exploded from all the transplants. And even now, I'm I'm in an outskirts. I'm like 70 miles away from New Orleans, and I hear all these accents. I hear the New Orleans accent because it's these families who were displaced. But now, actually, mm. the population's on like a 10 year uptick. Oh wow! So okay. we're going. We're we're growing. So that's kind of cool. Um, let's see. Okay. So the racial makeup of just the city, so not the suburban areas, but like mm-hmm. New Orleans proper is 60% African American and only 34% uh, Caucasian. The rest being smaller populations of Hispanic and Asian, particularly a strong Vietnamese culture. And these are cultures that get forgotten when talking mm-hmm. about New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, since the seventies, uh, Vietnamese culture has been pretty big. And in fact, the best king cake in New Orleans right now is is a Vietnamese king cake. It's Ooh, not yes. a French king cake. Um, and it's from a place called Dung Phung. Um, and even some of the more famous bakeries, uh, so one that you, th- you think of and tourists go to is called Café du Monde. It's in the French Quarter. It's right, right. across from uh, St. Louis Cathedral. Uh, that's actually owned by, by um, Vietnamese family now. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> entire cool. New Orleans East is, um, is, is a lot of Vietnamese families and great restaurants, fantastic, awesome culture. Okay, nicknames. So mm-hmm. these are fun. So NOLA, N-O-L-A, it's just an initialism, right, of New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we'll use that all the time. Like locals, okay. people from Louisiana will say, hey, you going to NOLA? Or I'm in NOLA a lot of times when we're typing. Mm-hmm. Um, a more poetic one is the Big Easy. Right? Sure. So it's kind of a, a reference to the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. And historians aren't quite sure exactly where it came from, like what it's referencing. Um, some of them say it had to do with like the ease in which you could get a drink during the <laughs> prohibition. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. It's like prohibition just like didn't really take off here. <laughs> no, I, I imagine like, not. <laughs> we're like, really? We can't? Okay. Not, <laughs> um, or or in the ease of which a musician can get a job. Oh, so, okay. 
Yeah, some people think think that, um, but we don't really know. But it is the big easy, and that, that it does encapsulate the type of culture it is. It's slow. We're hot and sultry in the summer, and you're sweating, and you just want to sit on a porch and drink an old fashioned and watch nice. the streetcars go by. And it is so awesome, and it's not, <laughs> it's not like other big cities. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. The, oh yeah, y'all should come. Come to Mardi Gras. I'll, I'll invite Done. everyone later. <laughs> um, okay, the, so the third and last nickname is the Crescent City. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah. I have. That's interesting. Okay, so the Crescent City. Now, and this name is derived from, um, as you can guess, maybe, is from the shape of the city. So when you're looking at it from a map, the and so now we're getting into the geography of it, but um, you have the Mississippi River, right? It's on a river like a lot of old cities. Mm-hmm. It was built on waterways, river. It's like your lifeblood. And so the river bends, right? And if you're looking at it from north to south, it looks like just like a smiley face, okay? And so actually the east side of the river is due north. And the west side of the river is south. And the major street, like the major uh, historical street in that section of town is called St. Charles Avenue. It's where the streetcars run. Mm -hmm. There's the neutral ground in between the two sides. The neutral ground is is the neutral space, like, the boulevard, we just call it a neutral ground. Um, and that goes in a crescent shape. And from one end, which is uptown, you know, uptown's where Loyola University, right? It's a Jesuit university. <laughs> Tulane University is there. It's a more rural. You have our park. Um, Audubon Park is there. And then it kind of curves in a crescent shape to downtown or the French Quarter is the, is the, the middle of the downtown. Oh, okay. So that's that's... That's kind of the geography of it. Now, the elevation. We're very, 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 very low in <laughs> elevation. So the average elevation is one to two feet below sea level. Below. So, below. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And some, some places are four feet below sea level, um, which wouldn't be that bad if we weren't surrounded by water. water. Yeah, a lot all, of water. All, all sides. <laughs> <laughs> like we literally are a bowl in between water on the north, the south, and the east, and which constantly gets pummeled by the strongest storms known to humankind. Yeah, that seems um, like a challenge. I guess I would say a challenge. <laughs> to I live like there. that lingo. We, yeah, you yeah. know, we kind. It's weird. There's this thing when hurricanes hit. We throw hurricane parties. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there's this really innate human desire to have community in times of, of anxiety mm-hmm. and struggle. And we there's this weird, and we we all f- kind of feel guilty about it, um, <laughs> but because we're, we're kind of excited. Like if, if <laughs> it's been a couple- coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's going to be hurricane parties uh, because- there's just something that happens to the city. Like, it's horrible. I This is a part of human psychology that that baffles me, but we kind of feel excited, and we don't express it very much. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be telling you this. <laughs> Ooh, you heard it here first, folks. Um, I feel like, though, it's more of like, I mean, granted, I've never had a hurricane party, but it seems like defiance, where you're like, come and get me. Like, I'm drunk, and I'm going to stand on the street, and I'm going to yell at this hurricane, and it's going to get out of here. You know, like, it feels like... And if mm-hmm, I go out, mm-hmm. I'm going out having fun. 
Exactly. Yes. It's this like strong defiance of like, I'm not going to hide in my basement. Forget it. This is going to, I'm going to yell at this hurricane. <laughs> you know? That That is, there's, every time a hurricane hits, there's images of guys standing out and the winds pushing against them and they just have like, I don't know, a <laughs> bottle of whiskey and they're like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it happens so often there, more though, more so than I would say Rochester, New York. <laughs> we get blizzards. Yeah, yeah blizzards. we do get blizzards. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. But you can't go outside. That's the thing. That's a rough. That's rough yeah. with the with the with a blizzard. I mean, you can try. <laughs> Nobody's that same you. that same guy would be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He'd be frozen to death. Okay, so Crescent City. So when giving directions for mm. uh, when you're in New Orleans, okay, giving directions because of the bend, like north south doesn't really mean so much because mm-hmm. the streets aren't a grid. They're not like north south like that. Yeah. Um, so you might hear a phrase like the lakeside of Saint. Charles Avenue, or I'm on the river side of the parade route, like during Mardi Gras, like, hey, what side of St. Charles are you on? I'm on the river side, I'm uptown, downtown, like we use neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. and we use the lake and the river to talk about direction and say where we are in relationship to other things. We can't use like north, south, east, or west. I love that. That's how I need directions to be. (laughs) I like landmarks, Mm -hmm. I like descriptors, anytime the car is like, Head southeast for 0.2 miles. I'm like, I don't forget. I'm it. just gonna drive in one direction. That would be awesome <laughs> if we could make ways like give us instead of like actual number directions. If we could get them landmark, it's like drive towards that tree. Anytime <laughs> right. anybody says like, do you have any ideas for like apps or whatever? I'm like Google Google for women that tells you. <laughs> Google Maps for That's, women that tells you turn left at the McDonald's. Great. <laughs> I mean, let's not be so, you know, reductive here because my husband That's why it's a joke. can't yeah. find his way out of our driveway, which is two and a half feet long. Yeah. So, you know, it's it ha- it's just the way your brain works. It's okay. Google mm-hmm. Maps for visual learners. <laughs> yeah. Google that, Maps that's... landscapes. Yeah. Hey, you branded it. That's cool. Um, okay, so the neighborhoods mm. with I love cities neighborhoods because this is where people live this is where this is where the locals are this is where the true culture mm-hmm. is um, the most well-known is the French Quarter we uh, the fancy French word is the vu carré which means old square so the vu carré is the is the French Quarter obviously we talked about uptown um, you have mid-city the Marigny the Marigny is another French word. Uh, the Bywater. The Bywater is is one of my favorite places right now in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of edgy, kind of gritty. Um, there's a lot of great, wonderful, hole-in-the-wall places that tourists don't go often. This is where I hang out with my sister. The Treme. You might have heard Treme, like the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, Treme. Um, a lot of our best musicians have come from Treme. This is north of the French Quarter. And then my family's from a place called the Irish Channel. This is where the Irish people settled when they, you know, immigrated in from New York or straight from Ireland to dig Canal Street. And it was supposed to be a canal from the river to the lake, but it didn't work. So they just made a street. <laughs> and so the Irish Channel is, is, is a wonderful place. We have a big, huge St. Patrick's Day parade that got canceled this year. Womp womp. Oh. Take that, Rona. Um, 
all of these unofficial number distinctions, so all of these have number distinctions. They're called wards, mm-hmm. okay? W-A-R-D-S. And other cities have this too, but third ward, sixth ward, and the most famous is the ninth ward. You've heard of this, right? This has yes. been the worst hit in Hurricane Katrina. Um, this is the origin of the slang term for a friend originating in New Orleans. You might have heard this like when someone's like, hey, what's up, Wody? Have you ever heard Wody? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like Little Wayne, Little Wayne and some other rappers who are from Louisiana oh. have kind of made popular like calling someone a Wody. Wow. Okay. I, I sound so white saying this, but it's all right. But it, it comes from here. it comes from Ward, right? So like oh. you're, you're it's like my neighborhood, someone from my neighborhood, my Wody. Anyway. <laughs> We're learning right? so much. Learning so much. Next time I listen to a Little Wayne song. I mean, little you, Wayne you might, happened. Little, little Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> I'm going to really hit the T's. <laughs> little Wayne. Little actually, Wayne. Do you know uh, Little Wayne is actually the grandson of John Wayne? I'm just joking. Oh. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you have our. Did you just picture both of them, Lauren? Did you just yeah, picture I did. them I was both? Like, oh. I'm abusing. I'm abusing your, your trust. I know. I always just Shame say that. You. I say it on my podcast all the time. People are like, what? <laughs> How I'm could like, you? I know. Yeah. It's bad. Next time I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll listen for that next time I'm listening to a Little Wayne song. No way. Um, okay, so language. Speaking of dialects and words, the New Orleanian accent is different from the typical South Louisiana Cajun accent, okay? South, South Louisiana Cajun, which are people from Nova Scotia, so French people that came from Canada are Cajuns. And this people get this all the time. They get this wrong all the time in popular movies and music, right? They they depict people from New Orleans as talking flat like this with a Cajun accent. I'm going down the bayou. I'm going to get some crawfish. And that's not New Orleans accent. Uh-huh. Okay, that's wow. that's okay. like prairie. Uh, that's uh, prairie Cajuns, Homa, really, really on the coast, those, those people. But... Um, but the New Orleans accent is a mashing of the Irish, German, and Italian immigrants. It sounds very, very similar to New England accents. So New York, uh, New Jersey, not Boston so much. But <laughs> but like people think my mom very often, she's from New Orleans, grew up right outside of New Orleans in Metairie. She, they think she's from New York when she goes different places and she'll say, because she says water. Ah. Huh. Yeah, okay. Like, like roof, things like that. It's because linguists really have their their only the best bet of understanding why New Orleans in the middle of the South mm-hmm. sounds like New England is because it was the biggest city at this time of immigration with Irish, German, and Italian immigrants creating a dialect. That's so interesting. So because it's the same like immigrant mashing groups mashing mm-hmm. together like in new york at the same you, time period too in the same same time period so the, that kind of like uh individual language dialects speaking english kind of mash into a similar sound that's so cool yeah and we call it so we call that accent we call it the yat accent so y-a-t yat okay. and that wow. comes from like when we say where yat like where are you? Where you at? That's cool. As a as a Pittsburgher, uh, mm. you got the Yinzer <laughs> accent, which mm-hmm. is comes from our, guys. our word Yins. Yep. Yeah. All Yins. Yeah. And so it's it's 
it's very similar. In fact, I had that written down. Exactly. So like Pittsburgh, <laughs> other places, they'll name their accent after like a common phrase. And we actually do use this. Like I'll, t- I'll type it into my, 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 my text like understands that uh-huh. I want to say yet. Yep. <laughs> you taught. Like I taught it and it now is a New Orleanian iPhone. <laughs> so quite uh, the accomplishment. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to talk about architecture and historical places. Ooh, cool. Okay. Great. So architecture and historical places. The most recognizable image of the city is that of the French Quarter or the Vu Carre. We just call it the Quarter. Uh, it's the original settlement of Bienville in 1718. Yet, even though it's called the French Quarter, almost all of the architecture is Spanish in style. So you think oh. of the wrought iron balconies, mm-hmm. um, for example. The architecture is all Spanish. I want you to take a guess as to why the architecture is Spanish and not French. And the answer is not tuberculosis or syphilis. <laughs> well, then I don't have any answers. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe because the I'm assuming because earlier you said that the Spanish like ran that Ooh, part. Malaria. And- so Ooh, we malaria. Need, so we needed the, no, the I, open I, balconies. We need that. I changed my fresh answer. Air. It's mal- malaria. Gotcha. Close, but no cigar. It, so in 1788, there was a great fire which destroyed most of the French Quarter. And so it was French. Mm. But in 1763, it was taken over by the Spanish. Mm. And so when they were rebuilding, they rebuilt it with French architecture. Ah. So there's actually a popular folklore about how the fire started in 1788, the Great Fire 1788. So the Franciscan friar and rector of St. Louis Cathedral, and he's Franciscan because at that time, Spanish, right? The Spanish Franciscans. Mm -hmm. He wasn't like a French Jesuit. Um, His name was Pierre Antoine, was told about a fire that had started down the street from from a candle in a private chapel. And this was on Good Friday. Now on Good Friday... You can't ring bells, right? It's canon law, like you can't ring bells on Good Friday. And the story goes, and this is actually from, like I got this from an archdiocesan website. The story goes that his scrupulosity in not ringing the bells to warn, there's a particular type of ringing of the cathedral's bells that you could warn people and they could come and put out the fire. He said no, the city burned except for the Ursuline convent. So there's only one section of the French Quarter that predates 1788, and that's the Ursuline convent. How? Now, wow. I know, it's a bummer, and the archdiocese puts this out. Now, it only comes from one source, contemporary source, mm. uh, and it was a newspaper, and there were some, some historians have reason to think that that newspaper had a particular beef, and they might have been slandering Pere Antoine. Mm. So so it's not the most solid historical story, but yeah. we, but we, I mean, it's on the Archdiocese's website. Yeah. So I always use it as a scrupulosity thing. Like this is what scrupulosity can do. Yeah. You know? Talk about uh, cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Use your best judgment in an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think like, the Lord would forgive you uh, warning everyone of impending death. Yeah, for, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but Maybe it didn't. Maybe he didn't do that. We don't yeah. know. So the cathedral, St. Louis Cathedral, was not as lucky as the Ursuline Convent, mm-hmm. so the Ursuline Sisters. Um, it burned down, and so the current structure you see, like in all the pictures, if you go to New Orleans, got to go to cathedral, obviously, um, is from the 1850s because it burned down again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> Jackson Square. Jackson Square is the public square directly in front of the cathedral. It's named 
obviously after Andrew Jackson, we already talked about his statue mm-hmm. only because of his his role in the uh, the Battle of eighteen twelve, um, and boasting his statue. It is a gathering place for both tourists and locals and many artists, poets, and musicians. On spring days, so fall and spring are the best to come to New Orleans. On spring days, close to Easter and Jazz Fest, this area is, is just packed with mm. talent. I love walking in the quarter in spring. My favorite time in the quarter is Good Friday. I do this thing called the Nine Church Walk. I take parishioners. We start seven miles away from the quarter and we go from church to church there's nine churches that we go to and this is an old tradition it actually comes from rome originally it's called the the nine church walk and you pray the stations of the cross it's usually fantastic weather Mm. and you end in the quarter and there's music there's artists there's street performers and you're just it's a it's a beautiful mashing of of everything that makes new orleans new orleans and i love it that's cool yeah, I want to go. Jewel, let's go. <laughs> well, once once everything that's going on is done. Oh, yeah, that's true. We, 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 there's a meme that's like, you know, New Eng- people from the North call it COVID-19. People from, you know, Tennessee call it coronavirus. People from Louisiana call it everything that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> we, use, we use these trying times a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so cemeteries. Cemeteries. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. Julia's jam. Yeah. Nice. You would love it then. So a popular tourist attraction <clears throat> is the cemeteries and the vampire tours. I'd personally skip the vampire tours because- Why? I, well- <laughs> They sound I, cool as hell. <laughs> well, I said I would personally skip it. Oh, you, okay. I wasn't projecting my <laughs> desires and feelings and emotions on you. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. No, Still because cool as hell. because oh, it, it's I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure, yeah. sure it's a blast. I I like to personally, as a priest dressed in clerics, if I'm walking the quarter and I see a vampire tour, I literally like just pop out behind a pillar and I'm just like hello, <laughs> and then just keep walking. It's amazing. The tourists are like, oh, oh, was he part of this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people think I'm like an actor. I'm like, no, I'm just I'm just here, just a regular old priest protecting you fun. from the devil. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, so regardless, because of the low elevation of the city and the water in the ground, right, so there's a lot of water in the ground, Mm -hmm. a lot of saturation, most of the city cemeteries are above ground crypts or mausoleums, and this is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandfather's crypt is is in a, it's a crypt, it's above ground, and Mm -hmm. it's surrounded. I mean, it's, when you're coming from the, the airport, you're driving in between two above ground cemeteries. Um, right before you get into the city because it was on the outside of the city. So, um, Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, Key West is the same way. Uh, when we were in, visiting Key West, especially uh, like closer to the coast, I mean, it's only like Key West, the island is only like a mile wide. But the, all the cemeteries, which there aren't many, are all above ground crypts because they're below sea level, which is interesting. And I guess I never really thought about that until literally this moment. So thank you, yeah. Father Brad. Of course. But anyway... I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no. Awesome. That's good because that corroborates. I mean, it's a, this is all over the world. If you can't bury people in the ground, like literally, if you get a hard rain, coffins will pop out of the ground. <gasps> which is where all That's, the zombie stuff came from. Which is where the vampires and mm-hmm. zombies. Okay. Now I get okay. it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. So I'm going to talk about now arts and culture of, of New Orleans. Okay. 
So, and forgive me, like, I just want to do this little aside about culture and the root of, of the word culture. Do you know what the root of the word culture is? I do not. No, tell us. Okay. So the root of the word culture is cultus. Okay. okay cultus, which means worship. And so the ancients and through now, I mean, the understanding of what a true culture is, is something that surrounds a people who look beyond themselves, look to something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And really the idea of like worship being the basis of leisure. And so these things we think of as cultural, right? Really great food, music, poetry, all these things couldn't happen without like, think of in the Christian sense, right? From a Christian perspective, the day of rest, the Sabbath, the ability to not just do work, but to create culture and food and dance and parties and festivals. And so any true culture, now obviously I'm from a priest perspective, so this is my jam, but any true culture I believe is surrounding some sort of cultus, right? Some sort of mm-hmm. worship. And that That's is, cool. without that understanding, you do not understand New Orleans. Like if you don't understand the Catholic roots of New Orleans, mm-hmm. you don't understand its culture because ev- almost everything about New Orleans that makes it fun and a blast and beautiful and tasty mm-hmm. and and like even like crazy and raunchy <laughs> is 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 based on this cultus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote I want to say from Flannery O'Connor, which she was writing about the entire South because she was asked a question like, why are your characters such freaks? Are you familiar with Flannery O'Connor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. She goes, why are your characters such freaks? And this is part of her answer, and I think it describes New Orleans really beautifully. She says, I think it is safe to say that while the South is hardly Christ-centered, it is most certainly Christ-haunted. The Southerner, who isn't convinced of it, is very much afraid that he may have been formed in the image and likeness of God. Ghosts can be very fierce and instructive. They cast strange shadows. And that is New Orleans. I love that. That's so cool. Right? And and not everybody is a church-going believer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, that's my job to try to help them get to that point in, in my perspective. But but it's de- they're not Christ-centered. But it's Christ haunted. It's everywhere. It's in our city streets. It's in our music. It's in our festivals, the cycle of the year, everything. Okay. So that's cool. All of this culture is surrounding that. So, jazz. New Orleanians love music and we love dancing to that music. It's been this way from the beginning. So, the first American governor, so after 1803, Mm -hmm. um, is cited as saying New Orleanians are ungovernable because of their preoccupation with dancing. Like, I can't run these, I can't run these people. They dance too much. Literally, literally, that's what he said. Like we were too, like, like the, the, the folly was too much ingrained in us. And this actually (laughs) has an anecdote this year, this past year with Mardi Gras, I do Mardi Gras every year. Mm -hmm. I take off, I have other priests do my masses. I go in, I put together a tailgate. So on Lundi Gras, which is the Monday of Mardi Gras, is my tailgate with my friends, over 200 people, families. And we, they tried to do a rule in New Orleans this year that you couldn't set up on the parade route until four hours before the parade started. Mm-hmm. Well, we set up at 7 a.m. The parade <laughs> doesn't roll till six. So we're like, we're like, we're coming. <laughs> like, so I literally, I'm, I drive up with like my tents, my, we have gumbo pot, we have a jambalaya pot, we have my sound system. And we just set up 
And the city officials like rolled by, like the city workers who were taking people's stuff and throwing them in dumpsters. Like we had had so many people on the route, like right there at our spot. They just looked at us and just went, and just rolled on. <laughs> they didn't even bother us. They were like, you know what? Y'all are all set up. That's fine. Like we are ungovernable because of how much we dance. Okay. That's awesome. So uh, this makes sense if we take into account the more rhythmic cultures that make up the gumbo of New Orleans. So we have Spanish, we have French, we have Haitian, African, Caribbean, and the list goes on. These are not stuffy cultures, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. These are just rhythmic, like sensual cultures. Um, So the African music tradition. By the mid-18th century, slaves gathered socially on Sundays at a special market outside the city at the Rampart, and we call it the Rampart Street now. Later, the area became known as Congo Square, famous for its African dances and preservation of African musical and cultural elements. Another um, cultural aspect is the Mardi Gras Indians. So you have Mardi Gras, Mm -hmm. and then you have the Mardi Gras Indians. I need you to one day just go look up the Mardi Gras Indians headdresses, okay? Here's a quote um, from about the Mardi Gras Indians. Uh, Several early jazz figures, such as Louis Armstrong and Lee Collins, described being affected by Mardi Gras Indian processions as youngsters. And Jelly Roll Morton, who's an early jazz musician as well, claimed to have been a spy boy or a scout for an Indian gang as a teenager. Uh, Mardi Gras Indians are black New Orleanian processions with vibrant headdresses and chanted call and response associated with Mardi Gras and St. Joseph Day. Um, I literally got stuck behind a Mardi Gras Indian procession this year in my car. So they just, (laughs) people are walking down the street, there's headdresses. And some of these great jazz musicians were spy boys. Like there's almost, they're like gangs of people that like battle each other with chants and dances in the streets. And it's not some distant thing. Like it happens Mm -hmm. today, this year. I was, I saw it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So you take that, and you mash it with the Civil War brass bands. So brass mm-hmm. bands are really popular, late 1800s, after the Civil War. Um, you get ragtime piano from that as well. Mm-hmm. But they were very regimented. It was like, you play this, the song is this amount of time long, but you have these instruments like the, the trumpet, like the trombone, like all these things. And then you mash that with all of the African and Caribbean rhythmic styles, and that's when you get jazz. That's, that's cool. the birth of jazz. Okay. Um, the jazz funeral. Uh, it's tempting to see it as just a touristy or romantic, but again, like all these things, these are really things that happen. Like this is a part of our culture. Uh, Louis Armstrong wrote this in his book, Satchmo, my life in new Orleans, Louis Armstrong, a great trumpet player Mm -hmm. of new Orleans. He says this, I thought it was so touching and moving. The funerals in new Orleans are sad until the body is finally lowered into the grave. And the reverend says, Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. After the brother was six feet under the ground, the band would strike up one of those good old tunes like Didn't He Ramble, and all the people would leave their worries behind, particularly when King Oliver blew that last chorus in high register. Once the band starts, everybody starts swaying from one side of the street to the other, especially those who drop in and follow the ones who have been in the funeral. These people are known as the second line. And they may be anyone passing along the street who wants to hear the music. The spirit hits them, and they follow along to see what's happening. That's what a second line is. Mm. So, so you've like, heard of second lines. They're having so much fun. <laughs> like, I got to get in there. 
Absolutely. You so on the way to the cemetery, it's you know a funeral dirge. It's it's mm-hmm, somber mm-hmm. music. On the way out, you're playing when the saints go marching in, and people come out of their houses and dance. And there's videos of people dancing on graves, like wow. leaving. I mean, this is this is real deal, and it happens even today. So it's really awesome. I love it. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> New Orleans musicians, just a listicle, real quick. Louis sure. Armstrong, Fats Domino. Uh, Fats Domino, he, I always say I was in a parish called uh, St. James Parish, and he his mom moved to New Orleans to the Ninth Ward whenever he she was pregnant with him. So I always say, Fats Domino was born in New Orleans, but he was conceived in Vashery. Anyway, <laughs> it was weird. Um, <laughs> Dr. John, Dr. John oh, just yeah. passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, newer, newer musicians, Trombone Shorty is like a contemporary... Young, I think he's in his late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, he is kind of taking the the baton of the jazz heritage, um, and then of course Little Wayne. We talked about Little Wayne earlier, yeah. and then uh, and most recently Jay Z and Beyonce bought a house in New Orleans, and Solange nice. already lives there, um, and their mom's from Creole descent and from from mm-hmm. Louisiana. So that's cool. Yeah, um, sports real quick. Sure. I know I'm taking a long time. Oh, but, right. Um, You're fine. I just, I just love my city. Yeah. I just can't. Come Please. on. Please. When okay, we have a so, Pittsburgh uh, episode, it is going to be seven hours long. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so long, and I'm not going to be able to say anything. <laughs> so, so don't even worry. I'm going to be like, huh, but what? But what but, about? And then, and then uh, the. Uh, okay. okay. Back. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So uh, sports. Basketball. We got the Pelicans. I Okay. Father Brad. <laughs> Like yes. when I was Monsignor, when I was studying for Jeopardy. Yeah, you ever call me anything? I want Reverend. Can we get a Reverend Mister or Reverend Father? I grew Papa. up Catholic, so I, so I know. Um, uh, <laughs> when I was studying for Jeopardy, like in 2015, I was making all mm-hmm. these flashcards and like, you know, okay, I know hockey, I know football, I mostly okay baseball, mm-hmm, making flashcards, and then I was writing down on the NBA teams, and I was like, the New Orleans Pelicans. If you would have said, I'll give you $1,000 if you can tell me, true or false, there's a team that plays a professional <laughs> sport in America called the Pelicans, I, I would have lost that bet. You, you would have lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because who's ever heard of the Pelicans? Well, well. well yeah, we oh, haven't yeah, been well, very we good. We Brad here. Okay. We haven't been very good. I'll say that. <laughs> well, it, it's because we used to be the Hornets. So the Hornets mm-hmm. left North Carolina, left Charlotte, came to us. We're actually pretty good as the Hornets, um, but but then we changed the name, and then Charlotte started another team back up and called themselves the Hornets, mm-hmm. so they're back over there. But Pelicans, <clears throat> I actually wrote a, a opinion article for the paper for the defending the Pelican name. Okay. I never sent it. <laughs> oh, I should have oh. sent it. <laughs> I should have, okay. but I literally sat down one day in seminary in New Orleans, because I went to seminary in New Orleans, and I, and I wrote it, and it's because... Pelicans are like fierce. Pelicans are yeah. scary. If you if a pelican attacks you, you might lose like fingers, eyes. Like you're going down. They fly in flocks, obviously. So they're they're team teamwork. And it's got rich Louisiana history. So the pelican is on our state flag. All right. Um, and it's actually got 
from my perspective, I was a Catholic priest. It's got Catholic history, um, and it's important because it's a symbol for Christ. Because the pelican, a medieval idea of a pelican, it was not actually scientific, but uh, was that it fed its own young from its own flesh. So that, Ew. so on our flag, on our flag, you can see like little blood droplets from the pelican, the mama pelican, to the baby pelican, and that's actually a symbol of of Christ. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. That's my defense. I like, I like that we call them the Pels anyway. Hey, you know, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. We have the Safe bills space. in Buffalo. We got I the mean. bills. I mean, come on. We got, <laughs> I got nothing to stand on here. Yeah. Critiquing Buffalo your- Bill. <laughs> okay. So, um, minor league baseball, actually we don't have them anymore, but they were called the baby cakes, which is I a reference to it. king cakes. I love right. that. So king cakes, baby cakes. cakes. See, you love that. You don't like the Pels, but you love that. We hated the baby cakes. We were like, what the heck? Why Why not just call them the See, king cakes? See, but they weren't a major league team. Yeah, yeah they were smaller, you can call so they You can call it a, a minor league team or a college team, anything you want. Well, do you, you're right. Do you know? I mean, but the baby cake is a reference to the baby inside of a king cake. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a king cake reference because baby Jesus, you're finding baby Jesus. It's an epiphany. Yeah. We might get to that later, but. (laughs) Okay, football. Now, this is where we're good. Yeah, of course. The New Orleans Saints. November 1st, All Saints Day, was the day that we started in the 1960s. We started a a franchise, and we founded it on November 1st. And the archbishop was Archbishop Hannon at the time, and he was asked by the founding, you know, the people founding it, um, if that would be like sacrilegious. Like, can we do this? Mm. Can we call them the saints? Um, and he said, his response was, we will need all the help we can get. <laughs> so, <laughs> and for a while that was true, but... You but recently, we were pretty yeah. we, we were pretty good. Um, for years, the Saints were one of the worst teams in football. Uh, during this time, some fans wore paper bags over their heads, and they yeah. called themselves not the Saints, but the Aints. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, stories that my dad would tell about football, is uh, the Saints used to be so bad that people would disguise themselves. <laughs> they would put, yeah, they would wear masks mm-hmm. of paper brown bags, and it would just, we called them the Aints. Now found now fans call themselves Hoodats because of our chant Hoodat 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 say they gonna beat them Saints. Mm. So like who who is that that says that they're going to beat us? <laughs> but but in <laughs> New Orleanian Yat accent Hoodat. Um, in 2005, the year of Katrina, the team had to play home games in San Antonio, and there was rumors that the team was moving. But Tom Benson, the owner, decided to stay, and he vested in the team in the city. He hired Sean Payton, our coach, and signed Drew Brees, and we have since been a perennial powerhouse, and Drew has pretty much every quarterback record, and I say (laughs) he is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, and no one else can convince me otherwise. I don't care about Tom Brady. (laughs) Neither do we. I don't care about Brett Favre. We don't care about Tom Brady. No. He's got a big, dumb face. I do not like him. Mm -mm. I do not like him, Sam. I am. (laughs) Punchable. Punchable. Now he's in our now he's in our conference. Yeah. He went to to Tampa Bay. See his face. Twice a year. Twice a year. (sighs) And we got we got uh Jameis Winston. It's crazy. Anyway. Um, so okay, here's a really cool story, really quick. 
Uh, it's the dome coming story. So after Katrina didn't play a home game in the dome, the dome got destroyed. It, it had become mm-hmm. like a, a a place for um, like a shelter in place mm-hmm. in in New Orleans. People died. Someone jumped off the roof of the of the dome and and killed themselves. I mean, it was really we had to get back as a as a city, but we we did stay in New Orleans. The Saints stayed, and the first game back in the dome was in 2006, and it was against the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who's our rival, mm-hmm. okay? Mm. Always play them hard, no matter if we're bad, if they're bad, we always play each other to the wire. And it, my dad was there. He said it was the loudest the Dome has ever been. He's ever heard the Dome. Many people who have been there said it was the loudest they've ever heard it. Um, and a guy named Steve Gleason, who has since gotten ALS, and he is just a really beautiful figure in the city. He does a lot for the city and um, and for ALS awareness, but he was special teams guy. He went in, blocked a punt, and ran it back, and we never looked back, and the team has been that, – that was the start of our team going to win the Super Bowl eventually in 2009, mm-hmm. and that moment we call it the doom coming. And, Ooh, and, and it cool. really, and it's symbolic. It lifted the city out of depression. Like the entire city was like, we got the Saints. And then Steve Gleason went in. Go look up a clip later of Steve Gleason's blocked punt. Like maybe it's just me who cries when I watch it because I'm from the area, but like you might shed a tear. Sports stuff makes me cry. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's very emotional. It's, I mean, I grew up with a very, sports centric father so yeah it's um it can really it can gather people together and create a mm. community and yeah yeah i mean please i've screamed at is the tv there, plenty of times is there a statue of this blocked punt <laughs> it is the statue is called rebirth Ooh. so the statue is because it's it's more to us that blocked punt was more than a blocked punt. It was more than a one game. It was the mm-hmm. rebirth of the city. From that moment on, we were like, we can do this. Yeah. So that's cool. You should go check that out. Um, okay. So, what's bringing me to Katrina? It was a category three hurricane that made landfall east of New Orleans. Um, so, actually, not on the, mm. if it would have been west of New Orleans, we would have gotten even more oh, destroyed. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, but New Orleans on, east of the new orleans on august 29th 2005 uh we often get hurricanes and they normally are not as damaging uh, what made katrina so damaging was the extraordinary storm surge and broken levee so it wasn't the wind of the storm itself it wasn't even the rain of the storm it was the storm surge broke levees everything flooded um, there were 43 levee breaches one total failure it left 80% of the city flooded, especially the poorer areas. Mm. Um, over 700 bodies were recovered from the streets and houses um, in the days and weeks after, um, and sometimes um, even even a month after. Mm. It is uh, t- it is tied by Hurricane Harvey as the costliest Atlantic hurricane in history at $125 billion in damage. Um, this was my senior year of high school. Um, I was in Baton Rouge, 70 miles away. My entire family, extended family, came and lived with us. We have 12 people in our house my entire senior year. Um, they eventually went back. The city came back. We were very resilient, but it was it was a hot mess. My, we didn't know where my aunt was. She worked at Toro Hospital. Oh we, my God. The cell phones didn't work. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if she was alive or dead because she stayed to work with the patients. Um, and eventually, she like hitchhiked back to Baton Rouge. Oh, my, God. oh my gosh. Um, so it was it was pretty crazy, but you can't keep us down. No, hell no. 
swearing. I'm sorry. I get excited. No, I, oh, yeah, uh, that's fine. See, She's I've fine. been absolved. You only get absolved for your past stuff. You don't get, it's not a free card for the future. I'm just saying, like, those two swears, those two swears, he absolved me, and those are in the past now. So. No comment. Um, Mardi Gras. Yes. You want to talk about Mardi Gras? Yes. Okay, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday being the day before Ash Wednesday. Remember, we talked about cultus, culture, our culture surrounding mm-hmm. the worship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it can be mainly secular and outrightly debaucherous, but at its core, it's a Christian day connected to the liturgical calendar from Epiphany. So the carnival season starts on Epiphany, January 6th, and it ends Tuesday at night, at midnight. And actually, the mayor on horseback, every, and I've seen this twice. I wanted to see it. I went there at midnight in the quarter on Canal, well, right off of Canal Street. They go down Bourbon Street on horseback with, with, uh, with cops and cars behind them. And the mayor on a loudspeaker shouts, Lent, or Mardi Gras is over, Lent has begun. <laughs> and, and they actually shut down the bars. It's the only time some of these bars Ooh. shut down. I, I left my jacket in one of the, uh, the Crystal Burger, and I, I had to get the worker to go get it because they shut down. They have to shut down at, at midnight of, of uh, Mardi Gras. It's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it starts on Epiphany, January 6th, with the first parade, the crew of St. Joan of Arc. St. Joan of Arc is one of our patrons, St. Louis, St. Joan of Arc. She's the maid of Orléans. She's a teenage girl that led a French army and kicked some major, say ass. Ass. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I was um, going to say so, but. <laughs> <laughs> but Father Brad told me to say ass. <laughs> wow. Okay, so so she, so that's the first parade. Um the main culture is contributing to the carnival and the Mardi Gras culture, right? French and Spanish. This is why we see it other expressions of it in the Americas, in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. Brazil. Oh, yeah. Carnival is a big deal. Um, so carnival and Mardi Gras are older than New Orleans, So, which is interesting. So the particular style of celebrating the season started by the mystic crew of Comus in 1837 uh, with secret parties and, and mm. masquerades and, and street parades was a way to ritualize it and make it more tame and less debaucherous, right? <laughs> so before 1837, it was such a crazy situation. Like people were so drunk and so crazy that like they started Mardi Gras as we know it to tame it down. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It was a real That's free irony. for all. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Okay, so crews. You have the crew of Rex, the crew of Comus, right? The crew of Bacchus. Uh, crew spelled K-R-E-W-E-S. Um, these are the organizations that put on the various parades throughout the season. They're extremely old, some of them, as is the case with Rex, 1872, or Comus. Uh, some are large and whose kings and queens are always celebrities, as the case with Bacchus. So Bacchus started in 1968. It was the first super parade. It's humongous. It goes on the Sunday before Mardi, uh, before Mardi Gras. Um, some of the kings of Bacchus have been Fonzie, hey, Captain uh, hey. Kurt. <laughs> he was the king of Bacchus. <laughs> um, Jean Claude Van Damme, right? Makes Kicked sense. his way into Bacchus, mm-hmm. and in back-to-back years, two hobbits, both <gasps> Sam and Frodo, were kings of Bacchus in the early two thousands. <laughs> you know what? That makes for some reason that makes sense. <laughs> two yeah. hobbits in a row. 
two <laughs> hobbits in a row. Well, you there know, are, it's it it shows you like there's this with the kings of Bacchus. It's like a connection connection. What's going on in culture and celebrity culture? Oh, mm-hmm. hobbits are big. Hobbits yeah. are big. People love hobbits. Plus, they love to eat and drink and smoke weed. It, it's a perfect connection. It's a great You're right. Mardi Gras is, is so so hobbitish. Very hobbitish. Okay, so um, one of my favorite parades is called Muses. I'm not going to go too deep, but Muses. It's an all-female crew, and their specialty throw is beautifully hand-decorated stilettos. So cool. only women can be in the crew. They're the only ones who ride. It's the Thursday before Mardi Gras. It's beautiful. It's at night. And so the throw is what's thrown off the parade. And usually it's cheap plastic beads. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but they have specialty throws. And maybe every lady might might uh, make 10 of them, right? And they're mm-hmm. decorated and gorgeous and looking different. And it's really cool if you can get one. I learned a lot from your Mardi Gras episode, Father Brad, about all of the oh. different crews and stuff that they throw. I had no idea. I honestly thought it was just beads. But no, Lauren, <laughs> there's one that does like designer purses and there's one what? that does like plungers. And plungers. <laughs> the crew of Tux is like, it's potty humor. The entire parade is potty humor. Oh my gosh. And so it's all toilets and plungers. <laughs> It's I didn't so listen cool. to that one. I gotta, you need to go, I gotta back. go back and listen to that one. The, my Mardi Gras episode is basically me sitting on a parade route in the middle of the night, saving a spot with my friends drinking whiskey, oh, talking man. about Mardi Gras. All right, I'm going back because I listened to a couple, but I didn't listen to that one. I got to listen to that one. You can you can find that on the Quizzical Papist podcast. Yes. It's a trivia, find, it's a trivia podcast. Find it on Apple Podcasts. <clears throat> Okay, I cannot stress this enough. Mardi Gras can absolutely be frustrating, crowded, uncomfortable, sweaty, drunken mess. Mm. But it can also be, and actually that's kind of why I like it a little bit, but (laughs) it can also be a beautiful experience of the grittiness of culture with faith, fun, food, and family. It's all of it rolled into one. Um, It just depends how you do it. So if you want to do Mardi Gras, Talk to a local. Mm, okay. Don't just come in because you'll get aggravated. You'll be grossed out. Someone's going to pee on you. Mm, like, yeah. don't go. There's certain places you go, certain places you don't. You have to do it a certain way. And if you do it right, you're going to love it. Okay. Awesome. Food. Real quick. Food. Love it. Gumbo. Mm-hmm. Okay. It means okra. It's a it's oh. an African word that means okra. Okay. So that's a good trivia thing, yeah. Uh, too. Sometimes they're like, "What does gumbo mean?" or or or, or a dish that that is an African word for okra. Mm-hmm. It's gumbo. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a roux base, which means it's flour and oil, and you burning the the flour mm-hmm. in the oil and making this kind of uh, pasty uh, roux, um, chicken or beef stock, and then everything else. Everything. So some of it, everything at the chicken sink. Okay, the culinary trinity is the vegetable base, and that's bell peppers, celery, and onions. Uh, Creole and Cajun food, you use the, the the trinity is what we call it, and it's bell peppers, celery, onions, and it is so, so it's good. like the bell peppers instead of the carrots in a mirepoix for everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, chicken, andouille, andouille is a sausage, mm-hmm. uh, shrimp, crab, the seasonings, seasonings are plentiful. And really quick, I'm going to talk about the controversy between tomatoes and non-tomato gumbos, okay? <laughs> so- Cajun gumbos, which is like Lafayette, people from Nova Scotia, no tomatoes. You put tomatoes, I'm going to slap you, right? (laughs) My parents, I'm not, they're going to slap me. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad, we would do 
tomatoes because it's Creole, right? Mm-hmm. There's Spanish influence. There's Haitian mm-hmm. influence. Right. There's Caribbean influence. There's like Hispanic culture, right? So tomatoes is a big deal and it gives an acidity and it's so much more complex. So beautiful. That's our gumbo we do. So you're, you, it seems that you're partial to a tomato-based gumbo. Well, I'm partial to my mom's gumbo. Oh, that's the right answer, I think. Therefore, <laughs> ergo. Yes. So, so, but yes, tomato, obviously. I'm partial to New Orleans food over Cajun food because I think it's got way more influence. Mm, I think okay. it's got more cultures. In fact, New Orleans, so talking about other New Orleans dishes, a muffalata. Have you ever heard of a muffalata? Yeah, yeah. big old sandwich. Big sandwich, olive paste, salami, provolone um, on a huge bun. It is great. There's a place called Central Grocery. You got to go there. It's in the quarter on uh, Decatur Street. Uh, make sure you get a muffalata from there. A po' boy, so, so the derivative of a poor boy, mm-hmm. right? A simple sandwich on the best, best bread known to humanity with mayo, lettuce, and fried shrimp or oysters, whatever you want to fry, you can put it on a po' boy. King cake, we already talked about that. Brioche dough, braided, sometimes stuffed with cream cheese. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Please, it's I so will take good. one of those. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you find the baby Jesus because obviously it's celebrating the Epiphany until Mardi Gras. So um, if you find the find the little baby Jesus in it, if you don't choke and die, because um, <laughs> it's stuffed in there, yeah. like you might mm-hmm. eat it, um, then you have to buy the next uh, king cake. Uh, crawfish. Little bitty lobsters, basically. You boil with crab oil, seasoning, potatoes, sausage, corn. Brussels sprouts and pineapple are things I add that not a lot of people add. Interesting. Wow. Together? Huh. hmm Brussels wow. sprouts and pineapple. Just in the boil, right? So the huh. the, the Brussels hmm. sprouts just soak up the, the crab boil. They get okay. really soft. It's really good. The pineapple, it's a sweet and spicy combination. Okay. It's like spicy ice cream. You know, have you ever had like Ooh. a spicy ice cream with like mm-hmm. red pepper flakes? It's the same kind of thing. It's so good. Um, okay, famous drinks. Yes. Sazerac. Mm-hmm. Sazerac mm-hmm. is made with rye whiskey, which is the truly American al- uh, alcohol. Yeah, I would true. I would say bourbon's there, but rye, rye whiskey's older. Bitters, and the particular bitters is Peycho bitters. So it's it sounds weird but it's p-e-y-c-h-a-u-d-s it's the red one yeah oh yeah and you put an absinthe rinse on the glass so you put a little bit of absinthe absinthe and you turn it around lemon peel you you serve it up or on on the rocks uh mid 1800s it's one of the oldest branded drinks in history wow is the Sazerac. Uh, uh, Ramos Gin Fizz, okay? So this is cool. Ramos Gin Fizz, also known as a Ramos Fizz or a New Orleans Fizz, contains gin, lemon juice, lime juice, egg white, sugar, cream, orange flower water, and soda water. Whoo! What a delight. You have to shake it. You had to shake it for back in the day before 18, uh, or before Prohibition. So it was, it, was, it was started or invented in 1888 by Henry C. Ramos. Uh, before Prohibition, it took 12 minutes to shake one of them. Oh, my God. So the egg, white, um, the egg white emulsifies, <laughs> and it almost becomes a meringue on, yeah. the top of your, uh, on the top of your drink. It is scrumptious. It's like a dessert, gin dessert. Sounds like I could drink a lot of those. You really can, and it's... It's super dangerous. So 20 <laughs> bartenders were working at one time in uh, 
Now it's in the Roosevelt Hotel is where you can get this drink most uh, or the best made mm. uh, Ramos Gin Fizz in New Orleans. And finally, Hurricane. So this is more touristy. It's in Pat O'Brien's uh, Piat Piano Bar. Um, it's rum and passion fruit syrup and a bunch of other stuff, mm. but a lot of rum. Mm. And it'll and knock served you. in a glass that looked like a hurricane lamp. Oh, whoa. You just taught me. Hey. That's what we're all about. Um, Jewel, Jewel just did uh, an episode and she did a uh, quiz on that. I'm sure I failed at that one. I'm pretty sure I did very poorly on it. But yes. There we go. In a glass that looks like a hurricane lamp. Okay. So here's my tip for tourists. Tips for tourists. Mm. Okay. Come in the fall or even better, the spring during festival season. Okay. So festivals meaning jazz fest, uh, French Quarter Fest. It all got canceled this year. Mm. We're very sad. Oh my goodness. It's 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 rough. But so come come in the fall or spring. Don't come in the summer if you if you can help it. It's just it's a million ridiculously degrees. hot. It's yeah. a million degrees and it's muggy and it's sweaty. You'll still have fun, but stay away from vampire tours. <laughs> 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 you can do like, o- only because and look, go to it if you if you think, but it's it's just sure. they're not gonna be telling you the actual history yeah. of the city. Sure. Okay. Get a real so. tour. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be fake. Um, I remember being—I was actually on a on a balcony on, in the French Quarter, saying mass one night with my friends. Like I was on vacation or taking a break or something, and I was literally saying mass on the balcony on Royal Street. And a vampire tour came by and was like pointing up at me and are like, "And look, the seance is going on." I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> Don't misrepresent Father Brad. Come on. So it was funny, but I was like, "Man, that guy got his like." He was like, "Sweet." I get to say this. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't so, um, but you can do normal touristy things like Bourbon Street. Like uh, a lot of people will say, like you can't go on Bourbon Street. Don't do that. Don't be a tourist. Like no, do that. It's it's kind of fun. Just do it right. Right. Don't go crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, hurt yourself or others. Um, <laughs> but you would be if that's all you did, missing out on the full charm of the city. And so here are some suggestions from a local who loves the city. Um, so here are the cocktail bar suggestions. Okay. okay? Mm. Cure. Cure, C-U-R-E. It's on Ferret Street. Great. Mm-hmm. Love my, my bartenders there. Um, Carousel Bar. Carousel Bar is in the Montleon Hotel. And this is actually, it turns, it takes 15 minutes for an entire rotation. So after 15 minutes, you'll be on the other side of the bar for a completely different reason than you're normally on the other side <laughs> of the bar. Uh, the Columns Hotel. It's on St. Charles. Um, it is the street cars are passing by. It's a big porch. Get an old fashioned, get a Sazerac there, old hotel. Um, and then revel in mid city revel is like a sleeper pick. Okay. This is my personal okay. pick. Chris is the owner and the bartender is one of the best bartenders in new Orleans. He is historically known as that he's, he's taught many, many and apprenticed many bartenders used to work in the Roosevelt. Um, and he has started his own bar and it's called revel. It's in mid city. He will tell you the history of every drink. It's cool. fantastic. Restaurants real quick. Yule college Inn. That sounds that's fake. my favorite. <laughs> no, that sounds, that sounds like a hobbit place. Yeah. Um, no, that's right across a seminary. So I went to seminary at uh, at in New Orleans. Um, beautiful. It's on Carrollton. Beautiful street, oak trees, everything. Got streetcars uh, across the street is Yale College Inn, and it's right next to to uh, a music venue called Rock and Bowl. It's away from downtown. You can find parking. It's really family friendly, and it's Drew Brees' favorite restaurant in New Orleans. Have you met uh, him? I haven't. I haven't met Drew Brees. Have you? No. <laughs> 
No, oh. I, no I didn't say it like, yeah, well. <laughs> Have you well. met him? <laughs> Turns out, real asshole, that guy. Can I tell no, you? I hear he's like one of the <laughs> he nicest. He is not. No, I, he is yeah, not. I hear he's yes. one of the nicest guys. We're that was so, a joke. I know, I know. We are so <laughs> spoiled. We are so spoiled. I, I cannot imagine the next quarterback for the Saints. What are they... I mean, you got you like a, literally a saint. Like the <laughs> yeah, man's just like like all American family got his yeah. kids and he's playing yeah, he's a pitch in guy. the backyard and he, oh my goodness. Okay, I mean, he could run. I would vote for him for for mayor straight up. Oh, that's not a even good, gonna lie. That's a good like post post football career. Yeah, job absolutely. For him. He could don't do that. even care what he would do. No, I'm <laughs> and um, then he could okay. ride a horse down the street. Shutting down all the bars on Ash Wednesday. Drew Brees, Drew Brees was also king of uh, Bacchus. Anyway, okay. Um, Boo Ray is a restaurant. It's a it's a dive, not a dive, but it's a it's a less. It's not fancy. It's a wing place, gourmet wings, handmade daiquiris. Uh, so Boo Ray at Boucherie. Boo Ray spelled B O U R R E. Okay, I mean it's it's a French term. Dragos is actually Croatian, ooh, nice. So Croatian family, and they do uh, char grilled oysters. My family butter. never made char grilled oysters. <laughs> really? <laughs> Lots of stuff just wrapped in cabbage. That's that's a lot Croatian of boiled food. A lot of boiled things. <laughs> ah, okay. I'll have to well, char grilled oysters. I don't know. <laughs> tell them that. Um, and then my favorite Vietnamese restaurant is in Mid City. It's called Mofo. <laughs> Nice. M O P H O. Uh, Central Gro- Grocery Muffalata. Um, here's a cool place, Bacchanals. It's in the Bywater. <laughs> it is a dirty, rundown, like you think you're walking into like somewhere not good. You It opens up to a backyard. It's a wine and cheese place that smells, that uh, sells small plates. And there's live music every night, great cocktails, great wine. Uh, me and my sister go there all the time. Um, and finally, uh, churches. Mm, not, yeah, you got to do that. Not churches, chicken. Churches <laughs> to go to. Okay. Because um, we have our Popeyes. We don't do uh, yeah. churches, chicken. Popeyes yeah. is better. Okay. So churches. Um, if you're coming, cathedral, obviously, but it's not the most beautiful. It's not the best church. Okay. okay? Immaculate Conception is the Jesuit church. It's on Barone Street. It's, still, it's in the CBD district. Gorgeous onion domes at the top. Oh. It looks really weird um, for for our architecture. Saint Peter Claver is um, a predominantly African American congregation, and they do awesome music, gospel style, like get down every Sunday. Um, famous musicians will come and sit in wow. with their choir, cool. right? So trump trombonist. I went one time, and there, uh, a really famous trombonist came and sat in and like rocked out a solo during communion. So. <laughs> Um, okay. Because of its deeply rooted connection to both the faith and frivolity, my quiz for you today is called Papal Potables, a quiz about alcohol written by a Roman Catholic priest. Okay, great. (laughs) Take it away. (laughs) Okay. Question number one, Jasper Jack Daniel was originally assigned a particular district in the American whiskey producing area of the country. The number has stuck with his company since. What number district was Jack Daniels in? Question number two. This cocktail bar in Soho, London, founded by Sasha Petrosky, truly was the promised land for the cocktail revival of the early aughts. What is the culinary name of this award-winning bar? Question three. 
Speaking of awards, if they were giving out awards for the most Catholic beer, this beer might take the prize because it is technically the Pope's beer. What is it? Question four. What is pub short for? Question five. Describe what the term angels share refers to when it comes to alcohol. Question six. Based on the German word for storeroom or warehouse, this process of beer making uses cold fermentation and weeks of storage at near freezing temperatures. Just ask the Blue Mountains. What is this process or beer called? Question seven. True or false? Scotch can only be made in Scotland. Question number eight. What is the pervading common taste that connects all the following? Ouzo, Sambuca, Absinthe, and Arak. Question nine. Where do you find Zion curtains? A separation between a bartender and the client so that the client cannot see the bartender making the drink. Question number 10. What are the official IBA ingredients of a pina colada? We will give you about a minute to think about it, and then Father Brad will be back with your answers. took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it on down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. We looked down a river and we see the British come and there must have been a hundred of them beating on the drum. They stepped so high and they made the bugles ring We stood beside our cotton bales and didn't say a thing We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico Old Hickory said we could take them by surprise If we didn't fire muskets till we looked them in the eye We held our fire till we see their faces well Then we opened up our squirrel guns and really gave them well We fired our guns and the British kept coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it Well, down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico that's a that's a tough quiz, Father Brad. It, it, is, it is tough. Look, because what one y'all had two of y'all. You have two of you to talk it out. Okay, that's true. I guess. And, so. yeah, and yeah, they're right. just super interesting, and I couldn't not ask. Yeah, them. no, these oh, are great please. questions. No need to apologize. These are yep. great questions. All right. All right. Let's see. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one: Jasper Jack Daniel was originally assigned a particular district in the American whiskey producing area of the country. The number has stuck with his company since. What number district was it? Okay. Do you know, Lauren? I don't. Okay. Did you have an idea? Okay. I am, for some reason, I'm stuck on number 12. Ooh, okay. 12 sounds and right. And I don't, I don't really know why. Um, I do know that like when you see a bottle of Jack Daniels or uh-huh. like 
his like Lynchburg lemonade or whatever the derivatives are. It does have the number on it, but I just. You know what? That's a great, I think that's a great talk through. I'm going to agree with you. Okay. So I'm going to say the official misinfopod answer is 12. We'll say 12. Okay. So uh, this quiz, this uh, papal potables is asked by a Roman Catholic priest. So it uh, has to be a religious number. That's a religious it, number. They're the 12 apostles. But it wasn't that a religious <laughs> but number. But it wasn't that one. <laughs> it, was the, it was the covenantal number. Old number seven. Seven. Poop. Dang it. So on the bottle is, uh, and, you, and it's actually a nickname for Jack Daniels to call it old number seven. Mm. <sighs> it's right. okay. We don't, drink enough, we don't drink enough whiskey up here. <laughs> I know, clearly. Apparently I drink too much. <laughs> um, okay, question two. This cocktail bar in Soho, London, founded by Sasha Petrosky, uh, truly was the promised land for the cocktail revival of the early aughts. What is the culinary name of this award-winning bar? Okay. Promised land culinary name. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting from this. Mana. Ooh. What are you going to say? What's your, I what's your promised land I was going to talk, <laughs> I was going to talk it through with you, but I like that. So it's I'll, called... can I, I'll give you a hint. Okay. I'll give you another hint. It's got three different words. So uh, milk and honey. Milk and honey? Is that what the is that? That's good. Is it milk and honey? It is milk and honey. Yes. Nice job, Jewel. Good <laughs> job. I like it. I thought it was a great name for a bar. It's milk a good name honey. for a bar. Some some really great uh, modern classics have come from milk and honey. So you should check out those recipes. Um, question three. Speaking of awards, if they were giving out awards for the most Catholic beer, this beer might take the prize because it is technically the Pope's beer. What is it? All right, in Italian, it's pop, Papa is Pope, right? Yeah. Any beer? Il Papa. Any beers <laughs> coming to mind? The Italians aren't really known for their beer. That's true. Um, uh, uh, what's there's there's a beer made by monks, right? Tri- yeah, like Trappist. 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 Trappist beer. monks. Is this a brand name or is this like just a mm. kind of beer, Father it's Brad? It's a brand name. Mm. Mm. Okay. And there is a hint in there. <laughs> if they were giving out awards Ooh, okay. for the most Catholic beer. What's a Catholic award? Uh, <laughs> canonization. Um, uh, going mm. to uh, confession Pap's a lot. Blue Ribbon. The Pope's is Blue it, Ribbon. <laughs> the Pope's Blue Ribbon. No, no. I like that. <laughs> I, I'm going to say... I don't know if you're with me, Joel. Paps Blue Ribbon. Is that it? <laughs> the word in German for Pope is Papst. Oh my God. Julie! <laughs> I was and making The Blue a Ribbon is the award. It's the Pope's beer! <laughs> the Pope drinks really gross beer. <laughs> well, he doesn't drink it. He probably, well, no. <laughs> probably drinks it some Argentinian. to him. <laughs> nice job, Jewel. Whew. I would not have thought about that. That was partially a joke answer, but yeah. we got it right. Nailed it. Sometimes it works. Okay. Question number four. What is pub short for? Uh, I've always thought pub was short for publican. Pub. I think it's public house. Public house. That's right. So public house is, um, yeah, it's what we, I, I never th- thought about it. I was just like, oh yeah, mm. going to the pub. And I'm like, what is pub for? Until I saw a, a restaurant and there was, something public house and, yeah. I, and then i asked the question 
what is a public house? And they were like, a pub? Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Blown away. They did a lot of stuff uh, the American Revolution at, at public houses. <laughs> mm. Done. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, question number five. Describe what the term angel share refers to when it comes to alcohol. So that's that's what evaporates yep. like while that's- alcohol is fermenting in like a cask or mm-hmm. something like that. So even if you fill it all the way to the top, it's never going to be a, be that full once it's ready because of evaporation. And the devil's share is the one that soaks into the the wood. The devil's cut. <laughs> oh, the devil's cut. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, and, and I looked it up because my original question was that, but the devil's cut as a term is really just created by Jim Beam recently. Oh, okay. Ooh, so I didn't know that. I, I, from what I could see, from what I could see, but angel share is more of a historical term mm-hmm. used by distillers. And you were right. It is the angel share. It is the percentage of the liquid as it's storing and aging that is evaporated into the air every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this actually changes the ABV, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the water evaporates, but not the alcohol, right? Is that what oh, happens? So it like uh, it concentrates gets, the yeah. alcohol. I think it concentrates the alcohol where like a devil's cut, that which goes into the wood doesn't change the ABV. It's just losing volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, question number six. Based on the German word for storeroom or warehouse, this process of beer making uses cold fermentation and weeks of storage at near freezing temperatures. Just ask the Blue Mountains. What is this process or or beer called? So I, I'll be taking a gerund form, a gerund form of the word, or a noun. Hmm. Blue Mountains. Uh. Do you know any German, Julia? <laughs> uh, Berg is mountain in German. Um, but German for storage house. And it's a common word we associate with beer. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas, Jill? I don't. I have a, all well, beer knowledge of left in my brain. Be- types of beers. We got ale. Lager. Lager. Ooh. It's a lager cold. Let's go with lager. Let's go with lager. Uh, the process is called lagering, and the beer type is called a lager. And so nice. it's connected to storehouse or warehouse because it um, you have to store it. And it's actually so a lager fermentation process actually goes from the bottom to the top, and it happens at lower temperatures. And so an ale happens from the top to the bottom, and you ferment it right around room temperature. But uh, lagers are different. That's why it gives it a little crisper taste and the blue mountains is a reference to cores like you throw the beer in the 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 beer in the and it makes them blue yep that's how you know it's cold enough to drink just ask the blue mountains (laughs) (laughs) okay um question number seven true or false scotch can only be made in scotland i think that's true it's probably true right i was just there and i don't remember i didn't even went on a scotch tour i was probably too i think we'll say true yeah it is true. Yes. To use the word scotch, to actually be a scotch, it has to be from Scotland. Other things are called single malt whiskeys mm-hmm. without the E. Because scotch whiskey uh, has, with no E, is just Y at the end, no E-Y, mm-hmm. where American whiskeys and all other whiskeys have an E-Y. Huh. 
That's a good thing to know. I never noticed that. That's interesting. Um, Question eight. What is the pervading common taste that connects all of the following? Ouzo, Sambuca, Absinthe, and Iraq. I feel like I knew what you were going to ask before you even yeah. asked the question. Like, what flavor? The common what taste. What terrible yeah. flavor do these all what have in common? Horrifying, <laughs> terrible flavor. And that would be anisette or licorice. Yeah, black licorice. Yep. From the anise seed. Mm-hmm. So licorice is the is the taste. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's okay. I don't know. I'm a bad Italian. I just don't love the anise. I don't like fennel or... Mm-hmm. Liquor, black licorice or or when they make pizzelles yeah mm-hmm. see i drink i drink sambuca at yule college Inn across from the seminary because our rector went to rome for his studies and so he he ate like a roman right he ate like an italian he would just he would go over there we'd have like three hour meals like <laughs> we're, we're trying to i'm like yeah i want this this i'll put in my order now and uh and he's like whoa 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 <laughs> Calm it down. We're going to do this. We're going to drink wine over a cocktail. Then we're going to do wine and we're going to drink this. And then we're going to drink, drink Sambuca after. I'm like, your main course will be served at 1030 PM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Um, okay. Um, where do you find Zion curtains? That is a separation between the bartender and, and the person making the drink and the person consuming it. Are you talking about like in a building or are you talking about like in like in a geographic area? It's it's like in a building, like okay. in a restaurant or a bar, Zion curtains that are necessary based on law to separate the bartender from the person oh, so consuming like, the drink. Like I know, hmm, I don't know if I'm if I'm generalizing here, but like Orthodox um, Jewish people, sometimes the men and the women aren't allowed to interact. And I'm not sure if this could be an instance of something like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of the, I've never heard of it. No. Yeah. I don't think I have a, uh, I don't think I have a, a guess. Uh, go ahead. Well, I'll say this. I th- I believe where could you find them? Because I don't think they're in law now. Mm. It just recently in the last, within the last five to 10 years, I think it was taken out of the law. Wow. I don't know. I've never heard of them. Yeah. So where do you find Zion National Park? Utah. <laughs> so oh, the, so, so the it's, a Mor- it's a Mormon thing. Oh. It's the Mormons. You know what? That makes sense because I got that special underwear. It makes perfect sense. So, so Utah was actually the last state to both ratify the necessary amount, uh, last state that was necessary to ratify prohibition Mm -hmm. and to repeal it. It was the 36th state each time, (laughs) which just doesn't make sense to me, right? Yeah. Like you'd think they'd be like, yes, prohibition, but (laughs) I don't know. Interesting. Dragging their feet. And finally, last question, question number 10, simple. The IBA, International Bartenders Association, official ingredients of a pina colada, and I don't include garnishes, so just the drink itself. Um, I'm going to say, go ahead, Joel. Well, creme de coconut. Yeah. That has a name. I don't don't remember exactly what it is. Creme de cocoa or whatever. Um, uh, Rum, right? 
Um, pineapple, pineapple juice. juice. And I can't think of anything else. Ice. That seems right. Yeah. It seems like a, a simple cocktail. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going rum, creme de coconut, and pineapple juice. You have passed your papal potable quiz. Yay! That is, that is uh, it is creme de coconut, pineapple juice, and rum. White rum to be specific, but you know, if you throw in dark rum, I wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna be pedantic about it. That, and that's, that's awesome. it. That was great. I learned. I learned so much. I learned so much. That was wonderful. Thank you, Father Brad. You're uh, welcome. And I hope I didn't scandalize uh, the church. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. I couldn't tell you if you did or not, but I'm sure you didn't. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, if you want to hear more about Father Brad, you should definitely subscribe to his podcast, which is called The Quizzical Papist. Do you want to do you Where, say a few words about it? Yeah, please tell yeah. us about it. So The Quizzical Papist, um, I started listening to podcasts initially to get uh, questions because I ran a bar trivia in my town. So little bitty town, only one bar in town, didn't have bar trivia. I missed it from being from a bigger city. So I decided to start one and I didn't have a way of getting questions. So I started listening to Trivial Warfare, Triviality, and eventually y'all's podcast to kind of bolster my questions. Um, And then I started thinking, wait a second, like I want to do a, a Catholic podcast, but not it be the niche thing. Everyone talking heads, talking about really serious things, which is important. We need that. And I do that sometimes. But uh, my po- podcast is a simulated bar trivia, like some of the other ones, but it's from a Catholic perspective, um, which means like art, culture, everything we talked about mm-hmm. today. It's not like, where is this in the Bible? <laughs> it's not always just like, where is this in the Bible? Yeah. Or, you know, what council said this or what? paragraph of the catechism it's trying to be more universal which is the true word of catholic it means universal so um yeah that's my podcast and it's just me and my friends drinking and talking and asking each other quizzes it's awesome everybody should check it out yeah it's definitely good great editing good music uh yeah and your friends seem fun so definitely (laughs) check out uh the quizzical papist and thank you again to father brad this was awesome i learned so much today it's been really good. I prepared. I learned so much just researching. And, you know, I gave you all yeah. a, a, an option between New Orleans or papal history. And uh, you gave me the option back. And I said, you know what? Everyone's going to expect me to do papal history. So I'm going to do <laughs> New Orleans because one of my great loves. But if ever you want me back on to do papal history, Absolutely. I will try not, to, try yes. not to be too wordy about it. But um, yeah, I want to. I just want to know more about some popes because I know there were a bunch that were uh, not great. Um, oh yeah, it's yeah. a it's a big mishmash of humanity, yeah, like all like all things. So yeah, it's, exactly, it's replete with entertaining history. I promise you that. <laughs> great. Well, then stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to Father Brad. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>